Yep. That's a beautiful lyric. The beautiful opening, enigmatic, powerful lyric from this song. I'm so excited about this. I've been waiting to get to this. This song, ladies and gentlemen, is to some Queen fans, including yours truly, perhaps even better than the great Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. Is that wrong for me to say that? I don't care. This song is what made me realize just how amazing this album is. It's what made me realize how amazing this track is on a very fast, intense run. Man, when I first started listening to this on my runs, it was life-changing. I ran faster. (laughs) I love it when a song can do that. It gives you so much power. It's amazing. And this is... Absolutely one of those songs. Dive number 19, track number nine on Queen's album, Queen 2 from 1974. This is the March of the Black Queen. Gets a lot of love from the fan base. If you are on the Queen subreddit, you know a lot of people love this song. It's interesting. I see a lot of people talk about it on the fan side, but I don't read a lot from the critic side. Even in current publications, there's just not a lot written about this song. And it's surprising because it's complex. It's all over the place, more than almost any other track before it. So many layers, so many sounds, so many things going on in the left, in the right, in the front, in the back, on the top, on the bottom, all the guitars. I mean, they wore the tape out when they recorded this. All of the guys joke about it like, yeah, we kind of went a little over the top on this one. Oh, they knew. They knew what they were doing and they loved it. And this is one of my favorite songs from the guys. It's just absolutely amazing. (gasps) The March of the Black Queen. Mm. Yep. Very progressive, heavy, glam rock. I cannot come up with enough genre descriptors for this song because it encompasses so many different twists and turns. Very characteristic of Freddie's writing. Yes, we are almost at the end of the second side or the black side of the Queen 2 album. If you remember, the first side is the white side, which is mostly Brian's compositions, a little bit more subdued, a little bit softer, a little bit less intense. And here it's all dark, enigmatic, fantastical Freddie at his finest. This was potentially written as early as. 1969, maybe, and it's start. Freddie talked about this song occasionally that he was working on it for a very long time, even before Queen was in the picture. (laughs) It made me think of like Tolkien and how he would picket his Lord of the Rings stories for years and years and years until anything was published. And suddenly this brilliance is out there for all to take in and absorb. And this is a song very much like that. Yeah, I honestly, yep. This is right on par with, if not better than Bohemian Rhapsody because of its intensity, right? Bo Rap has some moments that are rousing and amazing and of course jaw dropping, but this is just so much going on. It's so busy, almost consistently busy through the entire thing. There's only a moment here or there where we take a breather, we take a pause, but uh, I can't wait to go through this song in detail. Because you guys, 
it's going to take a long time. We got over six minutes to get through of song. And it's so packed with amazing arrangements. Okay, here we go. 114 BPM. So it's not too fast. It has a little bit of flex in the tempo, but generally we're at about 114, which is pretty standard. Time signature. Very cool. We have standard 4-4, but there is a moment where we have both 8-8 and 12-8 happening at the same time. This is called polyrhythmic. We'll talk more about this in detail. Keys. Freddie, fabulousness. Many, many keys. E minor, A minor, C major, F major, C minor, and E flat major, and E major. So what are we singing about? What is the March of the Black Queen? What is this? Victorian era references, which is an era Freddie adored, are sprinkled throughout to Tell the story of an alluring but evil, i.e. black queen, commanding all to follow her law, orders, and demands to the excessive and disturbing reality of possession and perhaps even slavery. It's quite controversial and dark and deep and, woo, I mean, cracking the whip in this song. It is a masterpiece of heavy piano-driven rock with overdubs galore on most, if not all, instruments and vocals. We've got backing vocals by Brian, Roger, and Freddie, all the boys on deck here, with tubular bells played by Brian. Not a lot of bells happening in a Queen song, (laughs) but this song features them in the perfect moment. This is all classically influenced, dramatic, glam rock with a hint of vaudeville. Yeah, that's pretty for you. Unrelenting drums, countless surrounding vocal harmonies, aggressive lyrics, and surprisingly contrasted rhythms make this lengthy song feel much shorter than it is. It's an amazing and impressive number with complexity that rivals any other Queen track, including, yeah, the great bow rap. We've got 24 to 30 different chords used in the song with all the 12 chromatic notes involved as roots. I want to talk a little bit about this so you guys understand. A typical scale has eight notes in it, and notes are either sharp or flat depending on what key you're in. A chromatic scale uses every single note, every single half-step note between the two root notes. Does that make sense? So instead of using the assigned notes in that particular key, it hits on every single note, whether it's an accidental or actually part of that scale in that key. Does that make sense? (laughs) If I had a piano in front of me, it would make so much more sense. But one of these days, uh, I'll go into more detail. Maybe I'll do a whole dive about that. Anyway, yes, we've got an incredible use of chords and notes in this song. Even the harmony structure, which lacks modal chords and focuses more on secondary dominance, there's a couple of non-functional chords, which indicates a lower influence of rock music and a stronger influence of classical music. Yeah, this is so much more a classical symphonic arrangement of sound. It's more like a suite than a traditional rock number, and it lacks 
any defined verses or choruses, but occasionally repeating motifs and variants keep this song from feeling too scattered. So it's like it's got little mini movements happening between section and this section and that section. Clever, intentional, perfect in its surprising twists and turns. Such precision. Ugh perfection. I just listened to it again after I'd gone through and analyzed it like crazy. I just listened to it again. And I got to say, if I just sit and listen to it and take the whole thing in, it, it, it blows my, it just, it, it blows my mind. It's amazing, this song. And the fact that there isn't, again, there is not a defined structure here. No, no. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus. We're not doing that. We're doing part one. Link one, part two, solo one, part three, solo two. <laughs> I mean, it's insane, but it works because it's Queen. Because it's Queen. The band talked about this song a little bit from time to time. In a 74 interview with Melody Maker, Freddie, who, yeah, had been working on this song even before Queen was around, said, quote, the song took me ages to complete. I wanted to give it everything to be self-indulgent or whatever. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Self-indulgent or whatever. That's awesome, Freddie. John Deacon described it as a long six-minute track saying, quote, we spent ages and ages rehearsing this one. Not very easy at all, I can assure you, unquote. And later... Brian said, quote, the March of the Black Queen has a lot of textured work with the intricate harmonies, the guitar harmonies, and stuff. <laughs> the precursor of Bohemian Rhapsody in many ways. See, even the guys knew that this brilliance was only leading up to what would be Bohemian Rhapsody, which, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody is much more composed. It's much more polished. This is kind of more in the vein of things like Great King Rat from their debut, which seems a little bit more chaotic, a little bit more hectic. Yes, it's absolutely brilliant. Yes, it works. Yes, it's affecting. Yes, it's evocative. It's impressive. It's all those things. But we know by now, going through these tracks chronologically, and feeling, hearing, witnessing this evolution of their sound, they're capable of reeling it in. They're not doing that here. It's all out, guns blazing, we're going for it, busting through the ceiling, and more. Now, as far as performances that were live, I am very sad to say that only the final verse was ever occasionally performed live as part of a medley usually towards the end of a medley. Such a shame. But really, the sheer complexity and the massive amount of overdubs made this impossible to reproduce live, at least effectively. Another interesting thing I found, the piano intro, which is very classical in its sound, is only known to have been played live once at Providence Civic Center on the 14th of November in 1978. 1978. This is like jazz era, way after this album came out. So very interesting that they chose to perform it. And I think if memory serves, the comments I read on that were, 
Freddie may have played it only because a fan was screaming out about it. So nice of you, Freddie. But really, guys, I wish we'd had more of this live. Oh, how I wish. In fact, you know what they should do when they start touring again with Adam? They need to bring a full orchestra with them <laughs> and make a whole arrangement with this song with riffs and, and scales and trills. I just, I want the whole thing. Just give it to me, huge, like full symphony orchestra. Brass and everything. I want it all. And I want it now. Yes, I want it all. Fun facts. This multifaceted composition, the band's second longest at six minutes and 34 seconds, is one of two Queen songs, the other one being the fabulous bow rap, to contain polyrhythm or polymeter, which is two different time signatures simultaneously. We talked about that earlier. We got 8-8 eight, eight and 12-8. This is extremely rare for any kind of popular music or rock music. Let's talk about these time signatures. I didn't even think about the fact that you might be going, what does that even mean? So the first number in a time signature is how many beats are in a measure in the music. And the second number in a time signature is the note that represents one whole beat. So when you have something like 8-8 eight, eight and 12-8, you have two totally different time signatures that are completely intertwined together. It's very interesting. And I have a feeling, knowing Freddie's innate abilities for songwriting, and all of the guys, really, I have a feeling this wasn't even something he consciously thought. I'm sure he didn't say, I'm going to make this 8-8 eight, eight and 12-8. Well, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But I have, I just have a feeling. Another question I would love to ask Brian and Roger, if I ever got the chance to talk to either one of them, is how intentional were some of these things that Freddie did in these songs or any of your songs? Because this is so complex that on paper, nobody thinks of this stuff. But Freddie's brain just goes there. He's not thinking, oh, this is going to be so cool. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be so cool, and I'm going to do two time signatures at once. That's, that's not what's going on here. This was probably a completely instinctive thing for him to do. And man, that kind of talent, it's just ridiculous, you guys. It's insane. And with that amazingness, that astonishing impressiveness of Freddie's songwriting. I want to dive into this song headfirst, rush headlong. I can't wait to get to that song, by the way. Let's talk about the March of the Black Queen from start to finish and buckle up because it's going to be a long ride. We start with simple classical piano joined by a little guitar trill and again, more piano but it's more minor in tone. The phrasing is the same, but it's a little bit more dark. And suddenly, crash, wailing that wonderful lyric, do you mean it? Surrounded by these crying, ah, almost entirely courtesy of Raj, if I had to guess. And then we have a shift in guitar and bass that takes us down into a softer and questioning verse. The percussion, the dancing of the guitars, the persistence and energy of the bass, just 30 seconds in, and we're already well aware this is a deep, 
dark, intense, and commanding stuff will be coming. You feel it coming. There's a cymbal flourish and guitars sneaking down the scale that lead into a change of key, a massive crash of drums, screams, pounding beats, arpeggios with a massive weight, vocals all around panning back and forth. I can already hear the tape wearing out. If I'd had this on cassette, I probably would have literally worn it out. Before the first official verse, there's so much going on that I often think I'm hearing for the first time, right? There's all these little details that jump out at me that I didn't notice before. So aside from the obvious repetitive ahs and the guitars, there's a lot of depth and complexity in the bass and the drum work. Then all drops out except piano and Freddie's quickly delivered lyrics that pull us in, like going up to heaven and then coming back alive. Let me tell you all about it and the world will so allow it. We're suckered in, as if we needed to be to stick around for this, into the next phrase, more lyrics, harmonies, layers. We're using that word a lot these days, I know. Complex higher piano and the urgency grows. Then the stomping black, i.e. evil queen, poking in the fire. I love that lyric. Heavy drums, chords in a minor key falling chromatically down that scale. So threatening, powerful, and dark. Another change in key happens, the tone and the energy shift, but it's no less interesting or powerful. We enter the first major guitar solo, as short as it is, but there's no shortage of ferocity. Lyrical playing, always Brian's hallmark, or the instinctive brilliance here, and incredibly classically inspired with Freddie's piano and the marching snares. This is one of my favorite moments in the whole song. Back to the dark and commanding style of the minor key chromatic chord progressions backed by that loud and excessive drums. Put him in the cellar with the Naughty Boys. This chord progression is one of the few motifs that will repeat along this lyric, holding the chaos of the song intact. And what is that super high squealing from Brian's guitar at the end of this phrase? I swear, I hear things on every listen that surprise me. Ah, up and down in tight chords and it's flawless. We march along and that great lyric. Now I've got a belly full and the piano tinkers almost joyfully as though the narrator is blind to the manipulation of the Black Queen. A little solo of layered guitars on the left and the right happens. Really nice drum work from Raj. Then here's where we take off. People, we are almost two and a half minutes into this thing, not even halfway, and all of this has happened, and we're just now rising and rising and rising. Triplet arrangements. This is that 12-8 and 8-8 thing going on. Cyclic chords, intensifying drums and cymbals, commanding bass on the same note for measures and measures, but incredibly effective. Tubular bells, hello, Brian. Lots of guitars that scream and whine and drive us forward. Piano that winds up into this classical mess of expressive emotions and darkness and the layered vocals that go... Da 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 da. <laughs> up and up and out we go, as though we're taking off fast and furious. Is there a full on orchestra here? That's what this sounds like. And then suddenly we stop. We stop. Rise from behind me reminds me. 
Such a good use of words. Reminiscent of a classical choir arrangement here. Freddie sings in echoing falsetto, soft and tender, a stark contrast against everything before it. Simple piano carries this gorgeous moment along. And then that lyric, a little bit of love and joy. This entire section sounds like a totally different song and very well could have been, but it sits beautifully as a breath of fresh air in the midst of this evil around it. Is this supposed to be the message given from the evil queen to the unassuming followers, maybe? Hmm, a little bit of symbols, more charming harmonies from Freddie. And a section that's almost entirely classical, almost Baroque-inspired with some trills, accidentals, and key changes, and all of that. And with a final crash, layered vocals that clash but stun and amaze, we're back to the darkness and arrive at what feels like the climax with a more traditional rock arrangement. Here's those wonderful lyrics. I reign with my left hand. I rule with my right. This is the moment I run faster. <laughs> I've got the power, those lyrics. And we've got Roger leading for a brief moment as a vocalist as John's bass bounces up and down the scale in a surprising shift. Roger sings, my life is in your hands, I foe and I fi. How do the guys do this? There's guitars, bass, piano, drums, vocals, all culminating in this beautifully chaotic, but full of intent, absolutely precise arrangement. A fabulous drum riff and cymbals and trills that take us into the fall down after the climax. The vaguely familiar chromatic chord progression falling down the minor scale. We skip into a bouncing classical march with Brian's guitars, very reminiscent of Procession's tone. Thoughtful harmony vocals, a bit of piano and guitar, and of course that foundational bass slow us down into a ballad-like moment before, surprisingly, vaudeville for a brief moment and we're back to a musical moment stuck somewhere between the earlier verses everyone every instrument at full blast vocals on overdrive harmonies all over everywhere rising intensifying and just like that <laughs> for now it literally stops because it goes right into the next song which is also fantastic, but entirely different in style. So we'll get to that one next time. That was fun. I feel like I got a workout <laughs> talking about the March of the Black Queen. And I wish I could tell you to go check out a live recording of the whole thing, but that is not to be found, doesn't exist to be a fly on the wall during those recording sessions for this song. I can just imagine the guys arguing about who's playing what and what riff are we on and what section is this? And Freddie, what are you doing? And <laughs> Because we know that when Freddie was writing Bohemian Rhapsody, the guys trusted him. I mean, you have to at that point. You've been together for years playing. But <laughs> wouldn't you be like, what is this? <laughs> okay. Oh, well. That's the brilliance of it. They knew they could trust each other as songwriters, as musicians, as performers. And we end up with absolute brilliance like this. Ladies and gentlemen, the March of the Black Queen. Go and check it out. Have a listen. Work out hard and fast. You won't be able to do anything but work out your hardest listening to this. Seriously. You'll, you'll be done with it six and a half minutes in and be like, I just burned a thousand calories. Okay, maybe not that many, but wishful thinking, right? 
<laughs> Go out and enjoy the March of the Black Queen. I'll be back next time. Keep yourselves alive and have a fantastic shiny day.